Welcome to the Alcorn Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. I concur with your pastor. I believe God is raising up this church in this region to see many sons and daughters come to glory. And you have the opportunity to be a part of that. I would, if I were you, serve faithfully under the vision that God has given your pastor. Uh, as he said, I'm coming from a vision night at my church, and I told my church four things. I said, number one, I need you to show up. I need you to show up every Sunday. I'm just telling you what I told my church. It's not for y'all, because y'all always show up. I'm just telling you what I told my church. I told them I need you to show up every Sunday, not every other Sunday. I need you to show up on time. I need you to serve up. That there are some things that you need to be locked in in your service to the Lord through outpouring, and you need to be faithful to that. Amen, somebody. And I need you to give up that God has entrusted to you resources that he wants you to use for his glory, and a part of that is your faithful giving to outpouring. And then lastly, you need to invite up, that you need to be inviting people to this church because I believe there are many sons and daughters that need to realize who Jesus is through the proclamation that happens at outpouring. Amen? So, Pastor John, man, I salute you. I, I, I can see what God is doing. I talk often about you. We celebrate who you are and the work that you're doing in this region and all the people that serve alongside him. Amen? So it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, you can find me in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 15. Happy anniversary. Eight years of God's faithfulness. That is a blessing. And God has been faithful to, you, to us, and we in turn need to be faithful to him. Amen? I say a little something at my church that helps me get ready to preach. I ask them what time is it, and they say word time. Like with some, you know, some bass, you know, like word time. Okay, so I want y'all to do that for me. Can y'all do that? What time is it? Word time. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 15. Hear now from God's word. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 15. Says this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I want to talk from the idea of fuel for faithfulness. Fuel for faithfulness. Three points this morning. What are you chasing? What are you chasing? 
faithfully pressing, and point three, forgetting and pressing. Let's pray together and let's jump into God's word. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment that you have called us here, that you've gathered your people, that you have shown your faithfulness to this church over the past eight years, that you have stood up, that you have showed out in their midst. And I pray that your people here would be encouraged that the God that started it will finish it. That you don't quit, Lord. You are, you are continuing to work through your people. So I pray for your encouragement. I pray for your uh, exaltation. I pray that your people will be challenged. I pray that you would be glorified. Would you get honor in this place? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Point one, what are you chasing? Uh, you guys have been in this study on faithfulness, and I just want to encourage you. In, in your faithfulness, which is your response to God's faithfulness. Yes, God's faithfulness is what matters in your life, but a response of God's faithfulness is your faithfulness. Amen? So I want to ask you that question, what are you chasing? We are very, very close to the new year uh, that started, and many of us have set New Year's resolutions. Maybe some of us said this year, I'm going to lose weight. Maybe you said this year, I'm going to gain weight. Maybe you said... This year, I'm going to find my boo. Uh, we're going to be booed up. I'm about to get married this year. You are planning your wedding and not even dating. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you are. But um, we have these things that we are chasing, particularly this time of year. And studies show us that by this time, February uh, to mid-February, we have already stopped a lot of what we planned. But I want to ask this question, if you had to fill in the blank of this statement, what would it be with? That I may blank. That I may blank. And I want to spend a few moments early on uh, digging into that to ask you some questions about what you are pursuing. You fill in the blank. That you will blank what? Because I want to ask after that, if, if you get that thing you're chasing, if you find your ideal weight, or if you find your ideal mate, or if you save enough money for the house that you want, or if you graduate with the degree that you want, whatever you are chasing, after you get that, then what? So uh, if we say that I may graduate so that you can do what? If that I may get married. So that if you get married, then what? If you say, well, right now I want to get married so I, so I can stop this dating thing, so I don't have to go on these apps anymore, that I don't have to dress this nice all the time. You know, I can have some down days. I just want to, I don't want to be on the market. I want to be off the market. Okay, so if the goal is I want to get married so that I can get off the market, then What? I want to I get after what you're chasing, but I want to get under that. Here's, here's the big idea. If I keep doing that, what happens is, is I find out the root of what you are really after. If it's a career, right now I want to chase my career so I can get financial freedom. Well, why do you want financial freedom? So, so I can have control. What if I told you God wanted control of your life? It wouldn't make chasing a career wrong, but it may change the way you pursue it. 
If it's marriage and not having a date, if the core of that is I just want to be accepted, I just want somebody that accepts me, that buys into me. What if God wanted to be your primary acceptance and whatever a spouse did was a secondary acceptance that's not as crucial as God accepting you? Well, Rodney, I just, I'm starting my own business. I'm, and listen, I get all of that. I'm, 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 I'm about my hustle. I want to get paid. I don't want to be working for nobody. My, Pastor John came to my church and preached about the great resignation uh, and how folks just walking off jobs, chasing dreams, nothing wrong with none of that. He didn't know about six people at my, my church had just quit their job and was chasing their dream. Came back to me, said, where you got him from? Um, but it's, it's my hustle. I got to hustle. I got to hustle. I got I to gotta get this done. I'm just in the seeds right now. I'm just sowing seeds, and later on it's going to bloom. I ain't going to have to do this no more. Okay, fine. If that's your hustle and you get what you want to accomplish, then what does that get you under that? Is that you can have power to tell people what you will and will not do? What if I told you God wants that kind of power over your life? That when he speaks to you, you listen to him. Tim Keller calls this root idols in his book, Counterfeit Gods. He points out that power, acceptance, comfort, and control are root idols. And that's what our heart does. It produces these idols. Whether you are cognizant of it or not, it produces these idols. John Calvin says that our heart is a idol factory producing idols like a conveyor belt. And what happens is, is we're talking about being faithful to the God that was faithful to us. The idols are the things that stand in the way of our faithfulness to God. So if we talk about being faithful to God without recognizing what our idols are, we're, we're, we're playing ourselves. I got to call out what this idol is and dethrone it so I can pursue the God that pursued me. These idols, they always disappoint. You know this. I don't have to work this hard. Have you ever gotten something that you wanted for so long, only six months later, you don't even want it anymore? They, they disappoint, they overpromise and underdelivered. We all said, man, I just want to be married, and then we got married. All the married folks should have said, amen, right there. <laughs> oh, it's hard to be honest here. Uh, my wife and I, we're celebrating 19 years of marriage. We are, yeah, praise God. And we're starting a podcast called Married in the Middle, Shameless Plug. The idea of the podcast is talking about all the hard stuff in the middle of marriage. Marriage is messy. Marriage is hard. And the problem why it's hard is because I got this idol that I think my wife should be doing X for me. And she got this idol that I think I should be this for her. And our idols are conflicting and we need to dethrone them so that we can be who God's called us to be so we can serve and love each other. Madonna says this. Madonna is not my wife. My wife is Kaisha. <laughs> Madonna says this quote, though. She says, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. This is a woman that has millions and millions and millions of dollars. This is what she says, the rest of it. 
again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me and pushing me because even though I become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Our idols that we chase to tell us who we are disappoint us. They overpromise and underdeliver. And Paul is going to help us this morning. Help us change our ultimate pursuit. I love what Paul says. If Paul had a message statement for his life, here's what it would be. That I may know him. And the proof of Paul's life speaks to the, the, the affirmation of this mission statement. Here it is, that I may know him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And this is Paul talking. And just in the preceding verses, he, 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 he shares his resume. He tells us how smart he is. He tells us how educated he is. He tells us how well he keeps the law. He is a Pharisee of a Pharisee. His father was a Pharisee. He is well educated. He was born at the right time, circumcised at the right time. He comes from good stock, good pedigree. But look what he says in verse 7 and 8 of the same chapter. He says, but whatever I gain, I count it loss for the sake why'd you do it Paul why why count it loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord let's let's look at what Paul is doing here Paul is doing some dethroning he is educated, he has resources, he's from the right place, he comes from the right pedigree, but when he gets into this relationship with Jesus, the chief aim of his life is that I may know him. And whatever stands in the way of me knowing him needs to come down. He's saying he's done some dethroning in his life. Here's a question on the table. There's some dethroning that you need to do in your life. What is that thing that's exalting itself above your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Is it your career? Is it your, is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your money? Is it your possessions? Is it the thing that you're chasing? What needs to be the throne? Well, Rodney, how do I know if it needs to be the throne? I, I love my job. I actually like my spouse. I, I like my life. How, how do I know if I need to dethrone this? Here's a question. What do you boast about? When you're in conversation, what comes up? Do all you talk about is your career? Is your career that interesting that that's all you boast about? Or your spouse that interesting? Or your kids that phenomenal? Here's my question. When do you boast on Jesus and what he's done for you and who you are in his eyes because of what his son did? Where is the boasting on Jesus? Or do we just take credit for the things we've accomplished as if we did that by ourselves? Like his hand was not providing for you. Like he didn't wake you up on your graduation day. <sighs> Paul wants to know Christ, but not just with head knowledge. I think it's the temptation is to come and just get head knowledge. I got information. I know this text. Pastor reading from Philippians 3. I know that. 
and I know where he's going. Head knowledge. My son, RJ, uh, we, do, we are surrounded by three females in our, or four females in our home. So we do something called boy time. Boy time is when me and him hang out. Uh, I'm getting ready to come here uh, to Orlando. And he says, Daddy, can I come? I'm like, no, nah, you can't come. Why I can't come? Well, you can't come because, oh, I ain't got no reasons why you can't come. And he says, says Daddy, I want to go. I'm like, come on, let's go. And he, he, he loves that time where it's just me and him. And in that time, he's not trying to gain new intellectual information. He's trying to get to know me. So he's asking me stuff like, Daddy, when you were nine, did people say that to you? Daddy, when you were nine, did you feel this certain kind of way? Daddy, when you were nine, were you a good student in school? <laughs> no, I wasn't a good student. He's not trying to know intellectual information about me. He's trying to know me intimately. He's trying to know how I respond. Are you that way with your Lord? Or Sunday morning enough? Do you find yourself on Wednesday looking through the text, asking Jesus questions when you said this about Peter? What were you trying to get at with him? And what are you trying to reveal to me? Lord, how can I know you? This is what Paul wants. He wants to, to know him, know him. He wants to know him in the power of his resurrection. He wants to know him mountaintop. He wants to know him when Jesus is just reigning triumphantly. He wants to know that Jesus that's coming back on the horse tatted up for his people. That, that Jesus that reigns supreme. But he also wants to know him in his suffering. He wants to become like him in his death. He wants to know him in his agony, in his frustration, in his turmoil. Because there's something about suffering there's, there's something about going without. There's, there's something about experiencing pain that you learn something in your relationship with the Lord that you could not have learned apart from suffering. Newsflash, God don't just take you through stuff to take you through stuff. He's taking you through stuff to teach you some stuff. And the stuff he's trying to teach you is valuable because that's when you get to know him in suffering. And this is what marks the Apostle Paul's life, does it not? He is beaten up. He is thrown in jail. And his response is, I'm starting a prison ministry. Folk going to get saved. They're going to hear about Jesus. You put him on a ship and the shipwrecks. He's, he's witnessing to people on the ship. He is making much of Jesus in spite of whatever he suffers. Why? Because one of the ways that I learned faithfulness to God, serving him when it hurts, when I'm tired. When I'm frustrated, when I'm irritated, when somebody upset me, when somebody talked to me the wrong way and still I show up with Jesus joy because this fuel that's fueling me is not based on how you react to me. It's based on what God has done in my life and my response in faithfulness is based on what he did, not what you did. This is why I just don't up and leave a church. Foolish. We are called to be faithful to him. And there are times you got to leave, and if it leaves, you know, have some real meaning. Don't say because so-and-so said something. Because when you go to the club, they're going to do that too. That's going to happen wherever people are gathered. You're going to do that at the hospital. They don't do that at school. 
But God's calling our faithfulness, our response of faithfulness to be based on what he did in his goodness. So point two, faithfully press. Faithfully press. I mentioned we're starting this podcast on our, um, about our marriage. And one of the things we've been seeing from the get-go is our marriage is a mess, y'all. I'll be honest. We got some issues in our marriage. Uh, we, we struggle in our marriage. I know it sounds weird to pass this in that he just opened up about that. Maybe I'm just getting ready for my podcast. I don't know. But we, we got some issues. And we've been saying marriage is a mess. It's messy. And here's what we got to come back to time and time again is Rodney ain't perfect. If you're looking for the perfect husband, you got to keep strolling. It, it, it ain't me. You're looking for the perfect wife, ask my wife, Kaisha, she'll tell you it ain't her. We are two people that make mistakes all the time. But here's the deal. We, when, we, we, when we make a mistake, we come back and say, you know what? I repent. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Faithfulness is not perfection. Faithfulness is the pursuit to the Lord Jesus time and time again. Faithfulness is the long road of obedience towards our Savior. You will fall down, and when you do, get up and get back on your pursuit for him. And this is what Paul teaches us. Listen to, listen to the honesty of the Apostle Paul in verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained... Well, not that I'm already perfect. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, I got some issues. Wait, not, not, not Paul. Not, not Paul that planted all them churches. Not Paul that raised the dead, healed the sick, preached the gospel, wrote the Bible. Not, not that Paul. But 2 Corinthians 12 would tell us there's something in Paul's flesh. There's this thorn that's bothering him and hindering him. And he's begging God, take that thing out. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. This is going to keep you humble. If you're looking for someone perfect to follow, you have him. His name is Jesus. That's it. That's all. The rest of us are going to have to understand we have to follow him while we're still learning about him. You don't have to be perfect. That's good news for anybody just visiting this morning. Look, this church is saying, wow, we ain't got to be perfect. Okay, I think I may have a good response here today. That's the truth. We, we, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're here this morning, you think faithfulness means you don't sin anymore. That's not true. If you're here this morning, you think faithfulness means I got to clean myself up. I got to get things right so I can come to him. That's not true. If you think it's not faithful people in this room this morning walking through the darkest season of their life, and still being counted as a faithful person, that's possible. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul, I love it, this person that is honest about where he is and encouraging us in our walk because Paul understands the good news of the gospel. Here it is, that I don't deserve anything that God has given me. When I look at my own track record and I look at my life, I am a hot, heated mess. But God, in his grace, came to me, met me where I was, and said that if I would put faith in him and trust him, he would take all of my sins and give me his righteousness. The knee-jerk reaction is, but I don't deserve your righteousness. 
I haven't earned your righteousness. I don't think I can earn your righteousness. But he gives us what we can't earn. He gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us what we don't think we, we, we are worthy of. The good news of the gospel is that God gives us his righteousness when we repent of sin and trust and believe in him. So that leads me to this conundrum. How do I respond faithfully and follow him faithfully when I know I got some issues? Point three, forgetting and pressing. I was talking to a man one day in marriage counseling and we're sitting there talking and he, he's having some issues with his wife and he, uh, he's talking about the challenge and then all of a sudden he burst out in, uh, well, the last fiance I had, true story, true story. Um, the last fiance, I didn't have these kind of problems with her because she would always do blank and she would always do blank. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, when do I need to jump in front of her <laughs> to save his life? It became very evident that the problem in their marriage was you had a husband that kept looking back and comparing what was to what is. And there's no way to move forward when you keep on looking back. Here's what Paul tells us in verse 13. This one thing, this big idea. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I love this. Paul says the secret of this fight, the secret of this war is, is knowing that you are not perfect, but you are still able to press. And here's what we got to do. We got to forget those things that are behind. Now, is Paul saying that Christians should have amnesia? Should we not be able to remember? Well, the answer to that is obviously no. Paul has a phenomenal memory. In this book, he recounts his conversion. He, in Romans, uh, in the book of Romans at the end, I believe verse, uh, chapter 13, he starts naming off 33 names of people that he loves and has done ministry with and, is, and, and, and cares about. He has an excellent memory. So what is Paul talking about when he says, forget those things? Well, here's what he's saying. Don't let the hangups of yesterday derail you from what God has for you moving forward. This is a dwelling on the past. This is the past dominating your thoughts. And what he's saying to us is you need to forget those things that are behind you. This is a call to focus. You ever talk to people and they talk about their life in Christ and they talk about where they are in Christ. When you talk about the old days and what they used to do, they get all excited. Boy, back in the day, I used to be a wild boy, you know what I'm saying? Wild boy back in the day. You ever talk to them people? It's like, those were your glory days. That's your boast. Where's your boast on the Lord? Where's your boast on what he's done? What's your boast on the transformation actually being better and not worse? You sound like you are now incarcerated but excited. When the truth is, you were incarcerated. And you've been set free. He's saying, forgetting those things that are behind me, that almost comes, comes, comes easy to us to forget those, those bad things. But he's also calling us to forget those, those good things. There are some good things that have happened that we just focus in on and we try to build where we're going based on the good things that have happened. And we dwell on our good successes. 
and we build our life on what we did. Listen, beloved, when he talks about forgetting those things that are behind us, he's also saying not just to be so satisfied with what you did, you lose passion for what he's calling you to do. That's why I concur with your pastor. The best years are ahead. That we praise God for what he's done. We celebrate what he's done. But we also are excited about what he is getting ready to do. And so we press. We press towards the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Press. Pressing assumes discomfort. Um, you don't press and it's easy. Uh, pressing is, is in, and striving is not comfortable. Pressing does not fit neatly into your calendar plans. Nobody makes plans for striving. Here's what Paul is getting at. If you are going to follow him, don't expect, if you're going to be faithful, don't expect for it to be so easy and it not disrupt your life. The call to follow him has challenges with it. Okay, I lost you. I lost you. Okay, okay. Um, We live in a culture that tells us and teaches us not to let anyone disturb your peace. Uh, don't let anyone knock you off your peace. If you, if you like, bother me, frustrate, I'm going to leave you, cancel you, break up with you, divorce you. Because our culture teaches us, don't let anybody disturb your peace. Here's the problem with that thinking. <laughs> problem with that thinking. Who's on the throne? With that thinking, you're on the throne. And anyone that disturbs your peace is beneath you, and you need to clean up who's around you. I'm not letting no negative people around me this year. You ain't talking to nobody then. Okay, you don't believe me. It's cool, it's cool. It's okay. Let, listen to what Jesus says. Don't take my word for it. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Cross is the, the emblem of suffering and death. And follow me where I'm leading them and they are following this, this, this language that, 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 that floods our culture, you need to be a boss. boss. See, don't just receive it. Think about it. Oh, I'm a boss. Boss of what? I'm a king. King of what? I'm just reading your Instagram. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing this morning. That's it. I'm... There are some better terminologies to use. Here they are. I'm a slave for Christ. I'm a servant. I'm, 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 I'm in the Lord's service. I'm his plowboy. I'm, I'm, I'm his daughter. That there are other terms that we can use. Rodney, what are you doing? I am dethroning you off of the throne of your life. 
I'm saying to you, there is someone that wants to sit up there and he does better with your life than you do. You're entrusting your life to be faithful. It's to, to entrust your life to the God that is faithful and has given up everything for you. Question on the table, isn't Jesus enough? Beloved, you will have times in your life where you'll be faced with that crisis, with that difficulty. It will hit you in the face and you will have to answer this question. Is Jesus enough or do I need something else to survive? My prayer for outpouring for the next eight years is that Jesus would be enough for you. That Jesus sitting on the throne of your life would be enough for you. That the one that has died on the cross to rescue you and redeem you and sanctify you and call, his in, call you into his family is enough for you. Is enough for you. And here is the good news, if that's too hard. Your best life ain't your life that you got planned. Your best life is his life. Told you earlier, my marriage was a mess. And it's messy-ish. It's, it's good a lot of days. One of the things my wife and I rejoice about as we, as we sit down sometimes and think, 19 years in, we're building a legacy that your, our, our kids are seeing us love each other, go through stuff, reconcile, and make the decision every day to keep on loving each other. And then our church sees this couple this man and this woman that's been together for a long time and year after year after year, they just keep on loving each other. They just keep on going back to one another and strengthening each other and serving one another. And my goal is that some 60 years from now, there's a legacy that has been built about what marriage is and how marriage can thrive in any community when you keep on coming back together. So will it be the same way without pouring? That this would be a church that year after year, regardless of what comes or what goes, we keep on pursuing Jesus together. And 10 years from now, we're pursuing Jesus together. And 20 years from now, we're pursuing Jesus together. And 30 years from now, we're pursuing Jesus together. And that life is the life you really want. So my encouragement is to you to serve Jesus to be faithful to him, to be faithful to this house and watch him do the extraordinary in your life for his glory and your good. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website outpouringorlando.com to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.